Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, compassionate caregivers. I am Katie Anderson, and together with Martha Tyler, we are the hosts of the Compassionate Caregiver Podcast. We believe the most profound impact we can have on the lives of children is by supporting, educating, and caring for the people who care for these children. And that is you. Today, Martha is not with us because this is a short baby episode with just me. Let's get started. Hello, and thank you for joining us for a short episode of the Compassionate Caregiver Podcast. Today, we are talking about sleep, which is something that I have a new appreciation and value of as a new parent of a almost five-week-old baby. So we're going to start every other week talking a little bit about sleep and sleep habits and how to care for yourself and how to care for the little ones in your life and just to make sure that your sleep and their sleep is as happy and healthy as it can be because this is a valuable and limited resource, although it is renewable. So let's begin. What do you know about sleep? Why is it valuable? How do you know you're getting enough? How do you know you have a healthy amount? Some experts recommend that ways to tell if you are getting enough sleep is, are you personally satisfied with sleep? That's the basic number one. Do you feel like you're getting enough rest? Some other ways to tell if you're having healthy sleep habits is, do you have consistent sleep and wake times? Are you in bed for seven to nine hours a night? And in bed does not always count as asleep. So I personally can be in bed for nine hours or seven hours or eight hours and get six hours or less of sleep. If you have a smartwatch or anything that tracks your sleep, you can sort of tune in and see how restful am I during the night? Are you staying asleep? Is the amount of time that you're in bed, is it mostly asleep? That's a hard one for me. So I have to be very conscientious that I have enough time resting in bed so that I can be asleep for that time. Now, granted, that's completely out of whack now with a five-month-old baby because sometimes I'm up for three hours in the middle of the night or I get up twice and that's a very different experience. And do you feel rested or alert? Do you feel awake during the daytimes? And that will help you to know, is your sleep healthy in certain ways where you're getting the adequate amount that you feel good during the day without stimulants? So caffeine, without I will add, without stimulants that are excessive because I think a cup or two of coffee is a normal amount of caffeine. A lot of people use it to help them regulate and uh, help them focus during the day. And I think that that's okay. So if you're feeling consistently alert and you don't need coffee for five, six, seven, eight cups a day, you're probably doing pretty okay in the sleep department. However, what if you are not? What if you have created either for yourself or a tiny little human in your life has created some challenges to your sleep routines? And I say this with a lot of love and grace because I am currently bouncing a baby to sleep who is uh, taking a contact nap with me, which is something we can talk about in a later episode as we discuss the sleep of the little ones. Because first, we need to fill your buckets so that you feel like you're prepared to take on and care for the little ones in your life. 
So how can you do this if you are struggling? Now, again, if you're a caregiver of an infant, it's gonna be a little more challenging and we can address that in a later episode. But if you have children who are a little older, some of these pieces of advice go with you and with the children. So keeping a regular bedtime and wake time is really, really important. So are you going to sleep at the same time? Are you waking up at the same time? Your brain is a powerful associator and it pays attention to times that you fall asleep and times that you wake up. This is why experts tell you when you are awake in the middle of the night or you're not falling asleep, do not stay in your bed. Do not stay awake and do activities there. You need to get up and go someplace else if you are not tired because your brain will associate, in my bed, I don't feel tired. So you don't want to do that. And that tends to be a second piece of advice a lot of people recommend when changing your sleep hygiene is to make sure that when you're in bed, you're sleeping, especially if you're struggling. Now, uh, sometimes this is a very powerful association in reverse. So I try to do homework in bed, or I used to at least before I had a baby. I would come home from work where I was working all day in a Chicago public school and I would take a shower because you gotta wash some of those germs off of you before you get into your own bed. And then I would do homework sitting on my bed or laying in my bed and I would be reading textbooks for my graduate school, uh, my master's program. And I tell you what, Without fail, I'd probably fall asleep within 20 to 30 minutes of reading in bed. That is not an effective habit because your brain is such a strong associator. So you want to limit that kind of activity. If you can be up, be in a chair, it's really, really helpful. And as an added tip, if you are a nursing mother, while nursing in the bed is really helpful for a lot of people because they go back to sleep while the baby is nursing. That's a lot of people call the sideline um, position of nursing is very helpful for that. If you want to stay awake because you're not comfortable falling asleep with a baby in the bed while you're nursing, and I am not, I need for many reasons to help the baby so the baby does not uh, smother in my chest. Uh, you need to be able to sit up. So I move to a chair. It's just helpful for me. It keeps me more awake. And that is because your brain is so strong. So what else can you do? You can limit exposure to worries and fears, okay? If you're somebody who gets anxious, do not watch scary movies before bedtime. I always joke with my husband that uh, scary movies, which he loves, I'm like, that's a 10 a.m. on Saturday movie. That's a 10 a.m. Sunday morning movie. I cannot watch them before bed because my brain will replay them at night and interrupt my sleep. If the news bothers you, you should limit the news. Um, you got to be careful and conscientious about what you are intaking because your brain is digesting these images and these pieces of information all day long into the night. And if you don't want your sleep interrupted, you also need to be careful about what you are learning about during the daytime hours. Um, exercise that's really important and i am guilty of not doing that but i sleep really well <laughs> when i'm not woken up by a baby so you want to make sure you're exercising regularly if you're having trouble sleeping even like a 20 30 minute walk can be very very helpful this is a piece of advice that people recommend for infants as well if they're having day and night confusion is keep the sunlight streaming in on you during the day I have a vitamin D lamp. It helps me wake up in the morning. Before I was on maternity leave, I would get up at five because I needed to leave for work at six. And so I would go into the bathroom. I turn on the vitamin D lamp because my husband was sleeping in the other room and I don't want to wake him up. 
I would sometimes take a shower, but usually just get ready in the bathroom, brush teeth, do my makeup, get dressed, and exposing yourself to some vitamin D, whether it's through actual sunshine or a vitamin D lamp, that can be a great way to tell your body it's time to be awake and time to be alert. Something else people uh, recommend is limiting your screen time before bedtime. I've heard some people say 30 minutes. I've heard some people say two hours before bed. You should limit the exposure to the blue light. Now, if you have to, you could potentially do the uh, blue light glasses that will help you to be less affected by the light of the screens. That is a very helpful way to make sure your body is not confused about daytime versus nighttime. Um, that's kind of the same, the flip side of the coin about the natural light and getting that exposure. Oftentimes people want to associate um, relaxing activities with bedtime. So this could be a bath, much like for the children in your life, a bath, a warm drink, like a bottle. Think about it in our lives. We were raised as children to have a bottle before bed or to nurse before bed, and that helps people feel comfortable and sleepy. So if you can have a warm drink of decaffeinated tea, um, again, this goes for your children too, if they can have warm milk in the evening, that can help them rest and feel cozy. So doing a bedtime story, either you're reading it to a child or you're reading it to yourself because you're reading for leisure, that is a great way to relax your brain and tell it to decompress. It's time for bed. I don't know about you, but when I am working or doing homework late into the night, I go to sleep and dream about my homework or dream about my work. And that is not very restful even when you're asleep. So giving yourself time to unplug from the worries and the concerns of the day can be really helpful to refilling your bucket so you're ready to care for little ones in your life. Uh, this is not something for me, so I would take advice like this uh, with a grain of salt. So experts say that trying not to eat too close to bedtime is important for you to be able to rest so that you're not digesting and you're not feeling heartburn or feeling sick. But if you're somebody like me, I cannot go to sleep with a hunger rumbling in my stomach. So if I feel hungry, I will get up and go get a snack. I've been that way since I was a kid and it's still true today. It's true as a nursing mom, it was true as a pregnant person, and it was true as a not pregnant person. I just need to eat snacks. Otherwise, I am going to be awake because my stomach pains will keep me awake. So know thyself, feed yourself, don't feed yourself, whatever helps you sleep the best. Um, excellent advice also is to be conscientious of your environment. Is it dark? Is it quiet? Do you need background noise? Is it cool enough? I know Martha talks about 68 degrees is the recommended sleeping temperature, which is actually quite cool. It's cool enough to keep you asleep. Um, but a lot of people think that warmth will help you stay awake or stay asleep, excuse me. So you want to be cool enough in the air and warm under the covers if you can think about it that way. Now for adults, they talk about limiting naps during the day, although research has shown that 20 minute naps sometimes are better for your heart than exercise. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's crazy. So if you do nap during the day, try to keep it limited, or if you need a longer one, try to keep it further away from the bedtime so you're not so uh, well rested when bedtime comes around. Um, and that is a pretty, pretty good starter list of ways to care for both yourself and the children in your life. 
I will say a lot of this advice comes from the Society of Behavioral Medicine. Um, they released an article before or during COVID, excuse me, called Coronasomia, Somnia, excuse me, keeping good sleep hygiene during the pandemic. A lot of this advice is um, borrowed from there, but a lot of this is true for early childhood as well. So while this applies to adults, you can adapt much of this for children. And there are many, many ways that children who can't tell time, don't know the difference, they have little light up clocks that can help you understand when and what time it is. Um, can I come out of my room? Do I have to stay in my room? These are really helpful tools. Martha and I actually have a class about power struggles, preventing power struggles that's available on our website. Um, and there are lots of power struggles around sleep. And part of that is because children have limited control over what happens in their life. They have control really over what goes on their body, what goes in their body, what comes out of their body, and whether their body is going to be asleep or not asleep. They can try to rally themselves to keep themselves from sleep. So if you're having power struggles around bedtime, that's a great resource to check out. Um, talks about calming fears too, because there are a lot of children who are afraid. So there are many, many resources out there. Martha recommends Monster Spray, which is a good one. And Martha and I talk in that class about if you're having a conflict around bedtime, giving the child autonomy over their sleep routine is really, really important. And how to repair that relationship if it has already become a power struggle. Um, if you want more information on that, you can find it um, on our website at compassionatechildcare.com and it is called Preventing Power Struggles. They talk about creating uh, a safe space around sleep so that you and the child in your life do not have to go to battle before bedtime every night because that is an exhausting way to live and you and your child don't deserve to live that way. So check that out if you need that resource. Um, also, write in, tell us about what's going on. If you have questions, please, we'd love, love, love to connect with you. Martha and I think what you do is truly remarkable. You are an amazing caregiver. And that's why we are starting first with filling your bucket because boy, is it hard to care for others if you're on empty. And that is something I have, again, an even deeper appreciation for as my husband and I are navigating our own lack of sleep and how we can help both our daughters sleep well and each other sleep well during this really, really precious time of caring for somebody so little and so sweet and so tiny. It's given me an even deeper respect for parents. I've always loved and appreciated parents before and known what you do is really, really hard. And I will tell you, wow, uh, instant respect, like not even a weekend having a baby, thinking of all the people who have done this before. So if you're struggling, you're doing great. If you feel like you're doing great, you're doing great. And if you're somewhere in between, you're also doing great. We're really, really proud of you. We really are impressed with you. And we care so deeply about the caregiving work you are doing. Please don't hesitate to write in to us at hello at CompassionateChildCare.com. If you have any questions or concerns, we would love to touch base with you. I hope you are having a great week and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks for listening. The Compassionate Caregiver Podcast is produced and hosted by Katie Anderson and Martha Tyler. If you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, please consider becoming a Patreon member. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Compassionate Caregiver Pod and on Twitter at C Childcare LLC. 
To contact us, email hello at compassionatechildcare.com. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you.